Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast and happy Six Nations Squad announcement day. Matt and Alan, how did you guys celebrate? Well, I, I was having a nice little gym session. You know, I was working on my, my side step in case there's a call up in the Six Nations and managed to tear my ligaments in my foot. So I'm feeling a bit sorry for myself this evening. Poor you. I can, I can see your <laughs> ankle. It looks really, really terrible, actually. Yeah, you know, I'm not sort of faking anything here. It's, it, was, it wasn't that much fun. Uh, I spent the day not in the gym. <laughs> um, but doing sort of limited, you know, my work, sort of having a look at the team. So hopefully, and, and good man. Thinking about the sparkling analysis you're going to give us tonight, maybe a little, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, that is the main piece of news today. But before we get into that, a quick reminder of how you can uh, keep in touch with us on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod, on Instagram Thistle Understroke Rugby Understroke Pod, and sliding into those emails the thistle rugby at gmail.com uh obviously on apple itunes or wherever you get your podcast subscribe and you will get us every week so shall we start with some news lads how about this scotland and lions prop alan dell leaving edinburgh to go to london irish who should be back in the english premiership next year guys big loss for edinburgh um I think there would be worse, worse players to lose. I think that you know one of the areas of strength for Edinburgh has been the front row, um, and there just seems there does seem to be so many props sort of in in the queue at the moment. So I'm sure London Irish are sort of waving quite a lot of cash at him. So I'm not I'm not surprised that that's caught his eye. They're waving quite a lot of cash at everyone at the moment. The investment seems to be quite significant to make an impact in the Premiership next year. Alan, you look concerned. No, not at all, really. I think, <laughs> um, I think, especially at loose head at Edinburgh, so with the sort of rise of the skewmen, it's sort of less important than it used to be. I think 
from a Scotland perspective, you want Dell starting. Like, yeah, obviously yeah. It's fi- it's great having that depth, but I think you want to have Dell starting week in week out. And obviously, there's a bit of a rumor about Dell moving across to Glasgow. Yeah. But to be to be honest, with Kebble and Ferguson, it almost seems like it'd be a yeah. weirder move than him staying at Edinburgh. So, yeah. do you know, I think for all parties concerned, that's actually a pretty good move. Yeah, I quite enjoyed the the uh, London Irish announcement video. They were like British and Irish lion, and then there was just like <laughs> no highlights. It was like <laughs> highlights of all of his other bits of his career. It just had that they had that weird press photo of him and um, Finn when they oh, were announced. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind, kind of gutted, a bit embarrassed by the whole thing. I think that the the language was British and Irish Lions tourist, yeah, well, which is true, I suppose. He got on, he got on, he won a scrum penalty in his first uh, involvement as a Lion. He did. It was actually one of the biggest cheers that I gave on that whole holiday. <laughs> Come on, Alan Dell. Well, best of luck to him down at London Irish. A um, little bit of a rumour, but we believe this to be true. Glenn Young, young Scottish um, second row down at Newcastle, allegedly off to Quinns. Matt, what have you been hearing about this? Yeah, well, I saw it in the rugby paper. I think Quinns and Paul Gusted, Gusted are planning a bit of a clear out. Um, Glenn Young's sort of gone about quietly but effectively um, at Newcastle since they signed him. Uh, presumably, he didn't get a pro contract at Scotland and has been playing pretty well for them. So, um, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to Newcastle at the end of the season, but I think Quinns are you know, top four in the league at the moment, a club, club on the rise, so it seems like a pretty good move. Yeah. I think if you look at positions in where Scotland have ridiculous depth as well, there isn't really room for him in uh, Glasgow. Well, I think I think so. a lot of people might not have heard of him, um, but Townsend I think was um, name dropping him in the press conference today when talking about that strength of depth in the second row. Yeah, he did. He mentioned it, sort of players who are um, in positions where there is huge amounts of strength, and talking about people who just sort of were on the outskirts of the squad. So obviously, he's fairly well regarded by Gregor Townsend. Um, that's pretty much it for the news. But Matt, do you want to take us through Tenant's Premiership results? We, we're pretty lax at doing this sometimes, but why don't you give us a roundup of what happened at the weekend and a bit of where everything stands now? Gladly. So there has been a sort of a festive break. We had a full round of fixtures. Aki's got their first win in the season, being Hoyt 37-7. I'm sure they would have been targeting that. And one to watch out for is this guy, Harry Patterson, at fullback, who's still at school, still at Fetty, he's only 17, and supposedly playing really well. Got a nice try at the weekend. And is he uh, academy? Is he in the, the SRU sort of academy set I, th- I think so. I think yeah. He's been playing under-18s and everything. Um, but yeah, great result for Aki's. See if they can sort of claw their yeah. way up from the foot of the table. It's the Tom Brown effect. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, Curry beating Harriets uh, in a sort of closely fought match with a last play of the game drop kick from Gregor Hunter from about 35 metres out. It was, it was pretty class. A lot of pressure on him as well. Just I think he just put his foot through it and yeah. came good. Um, Sonians continued on their decent run of form, beating Hawks 43-27. Josh, Josh Rowland scoring four tries. Come on, the Sonians. Um, Melrose beating Stirling County away from home 22-19. And Air beating Barmuir in a close match 14-7. So not too much change in the table, but... Um, yeah, some, some good sounding results there. Thanks for gladly telling us that. That was very nice for you. Uh, no worries. Quite enjoyed doing that. And Schumel beat Preston Lodge. Yeah, exactly. That was the biggie in uh, National <laughs> Under 6, whatever it is. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Well done to Stumel. So, obviously, the biggest bit of news today Gregor Townsend naming his 39 man wider squad for the Six Nations, which gets underway 
in a couple of weeks. The biggest talking point, or at least if you read the SRU's press release, is the three uncapped hookers who have been brought into the squad's cover injuries for Fraser Brown and George Turner. So why don't we kick off there? Here's what Gregor Townsend had to say um, at the press conference. Our partners at Scrum Magazine were in the room bringing you guys the scoop. It's an opportunity, uh, an opportunity born out of, of injuries to, to Fraser and, and George. But these players have been playing fairly regularly, um, especially Grant and Jake. Uh, and David has been back up to, to Stuart most of the season, getting um, game time off the bench. So we're, we're, we're involving players that are, that are playing for the clubs, playing well for the clubs. Um, and it exci- it'll be exciting to work with them and see which one uh, makes our squad for the Italy game. So there you go, guys. Gregor Townsend on those three hookers, Jake Kerr, Dave Cherry and Grant Stewart. You're Gregor Townsend. You're picking your team for Italy. Alan, who's on the bench backing up Stuart McAnally? I think it's got to be Cherry, to be honest. I think out of all those three, I think, well, specifically Grant Stewart and Dave Cherry, I think Dave Cherry is the one I've been most impressed with over the last sort of few weeks. I know Grant Stewart got man of the match the weekend, but I still think he's struggled a little bit with the kind of. I think that's fair. Yeah, with sort of the 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 level of level of intensity, and I know obviously Jake Kerr kind of seems to be sort of the the kind of person everyone's lips at the moment, but he still hasn't really played that much for Leicester. He's had a couple of starts in the sort of Premiership, but I think this will be a bit more of a kind of just a bit of time in the squad for him. Yeah, absolutely. 22 years old, Jake Kerr. But he seems to be, that's a team that is uh, at Leicester pretty famous for front row. So he's doing all right yeah, to be pushing through. To be fair, they have a terrible four pack now. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's the thing. Five years ago, he might have said that. Um, Tell that to Dan Weezy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I was going to say Grant Stewart, but that's probably just because he's in my mind because he's been starting games recently because yeah, of the injuries. Right. And, yeah. you know, it is his second kind of full professional season under his belt like he wasn't a full pro last year but he was actually getting games whereas yeah dave cherry sort of was a stade so and obviously he's played at sort of lower professional level but at, at that high level um but then yeah when you talk about it that way i wouldn't be that fussed about having dave cherry on the bench what does this say about ross ford in the pecking order i think it's just you know it is the end of Ross Ford's international career. I think Scotland needed to move on. But it was interesting when, when, caps or something. when when Townsend first came into the squad, he picked Ford. And Ford had this really good run of form, actually, where he was sort of actually carrying in the loose quite well and looked fit and quite dynamic. So I'm, I'm actually still quite surprised. I thought they put him in as like just a really risk-averse replacement. But yeah, yeah. as you say, that's probably, probably the end of his international career, unfortunately. I thought even from a, a leadership perspective. Yeah in that front row they might bring him in but obviously with McAnally now kind of sort of taking that position they just it doesn't really matter as much I mean I think that's the biggest takeaway is that McAnally cannot get injured oh <laughs> oh my god we're screwed think about it. we're screwed if I mean I think Fra- Fraser Brown slated to come back you know sometimes within that six nations period I believe yeah but, but even if you had like Ross Ford as your starting hooker you'd be really worried if he got injured and any of those three guys had to, you know, all good players within their own right, but had to then come in and be your starting hooker. Yeah. Oh, I mean, 100%. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Who have we got second up? Ireland. It's Ireland. Uh, yeah, Ireland. Yeah, Ireland. If McAnally goes down 10 minutes into that game, 
yeah. any one of those three comes on, like every you're, every wor- you're worried. You're worried. Yeah, I think because also because what McAnally offers around the park leadership and that sort of additional auxiliary back row type attitude that he brings yeah. to the breakdown. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he's a world class player, so obviously losing him is no good other areas which have uh, sparked a bit of conversation and if we had been writing the sru press release this would have been the big news line chris dean the sweet prince sweet, of sweet prince <laughs> has been called up to the scotland squad for the first time alan your campaign it's paid dividends how do you feel it's been a year and a half in the making <laughs> just slowly influencing the scottish rugby community and look at you now. The saviour has returned. He's here. Well, not returned. Well, he's, he's here. He's just here. <laughs> so starting him at 12 against Italy? Yeah, 100%. I say I've emotionally invested not too, enough so much that I have to say he started at 12. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose with him being in, you look at the omissions. No Alex Dunbar. Again, uh, Gregor Townsend talked a little bit about it in the press conference. You know, I think he was just saying he's not really played any rugby and that was the main concern. Well, I think... To bring in Dean and Johnson, who are both 12s and mm. both uncapped ahead of Dunbar, is a pretty big statement. Yeah, I'm still quite surprised, just because I think that Dunbar, fair enough, he's not really played that much, he's had his injury concerns, but he is kind of a different player to Christine and Sam Johnson, I think. Mm. I think he's sort of more more direct um, and less of the distributor, which is, is fine, and I think gives you a bit a bit of a different option. Yeah. So I'm a bit surprised, but yeah, I wonder if that's, once again, sort of a bit of a death now for his international career. Yeah, well, it was one of our talking points last week. We talked about scrum halves. No Henry Pergos. We said he might have a shout. You guys got any emotions about that? To be honest, after this weekend, I am Pergos's number one fan. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I think one and a half a dozen. You could have picked him at a price. doesn't really make yeah. that big a difference. Yeah. yeah. But I did, I did think Pergos had a pretty big game. Oh, away from home against Toulon, especially in that last like 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. Which, you know, it's nice having that play, the sort of player that can close out a game. But maybe with Laidlaw, you just, that necessity just isn't there. Yeah. And I suppose if Laidlaw goes out, we get Pergos straight in. So, yeah. So it's kind of like just a one for one. Oh, you bring in Nathan Fowles. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know right. where we're going with that one. <laughs> but are you still <laughs> the thought that you'd start, you would start with a Laidlaw and then. George Horn, do you think he's earned his place on the bench ahead of Ali Price? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I actually thought that we'd just pick four scrum halves like they've done with hookers and just brought the four hookers. Oh, it's a big in. enough squad, isn't it? Like, yeah. What's, you know, what's the difference making it 40 versus 39? <laughs> um, and it, it g- would give you that different option, but you know, I, I'm struggling to get that upset about it. Yeah. Another big um, talking point and, um, is the injury list and the quality and um, that is still avail- not available for Scotland. Let me just run you through a few names. John Barkley, Mark Bennett, Magnus Bradbury, Fraser Bryan, Lewis Carmichael, David Denson, Cornell Dupree, Xander Ferguson, Matt Ferguson, Richie Gray, Luke Hamilton, Damien Hoyland, Byron McGuigan, Matt Scott, Rory Sutherland, Duncan Taylor, Blade Thompson, George Turner, and... Bringing up the rear, John Welsh. So when you said you'd read out a few, you just decided to read out the whole list. I got going. For I got effect. Into, I got into a bit uh, of momentum yeah. when yeah, I did yeah. both the Fagersons yeah. back-to-back. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to swing off the back of that. Someone uh, someone sent us on Twitter today a team, a, fif- a starting 15 of those players, but there's no nine. So to play Damien Hoyland at nine. <laughs> and then to play John Welsh at 15. Yeah. Oh, was it John Welsh at 15? Yeah. All <laughs> oh, right, fair enough. Good, good footwork, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no. Yeah. I mean, I suppose fair. what is interesting always about looking at those lists underneath the Scotland and the Glasgow and Edinburgh team sheets, are those are the sort of people that are 
particularly Scotland ones, those people that are in Gregor Townsend's mind that probably would have been with the squad. So, I mean, it is interesting to see John Welsh in there. <laughs> yeah. But how many actual sort of starters do you think were missing out of that list? Barkley. In terms of ga- guaranteed t- members of the 23, yeah. yeah, I think you're looking at Barkley, Brown, and Richie Gray and Duncan Taylor, if they're yeah. both fully fit. Those are like the kind of... Ferguson. Uh, yeah, I put, I put him in Yes. There. And yeah. Xander, does he come in ahead of Bergen as the second tight head? Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, potentially. Yeah, it's, um, Bergen's been good recently. But th- those are like the five or six best players there, like the highest standard, you know, international class players you'd be happy to, yeah. to put on the field in a Six Nations match. And I think the two that Tooney would have liked to potentially have had one of, at least, is either Bradbury or Matt Ferguson. Yeah. yeah, or just maybe even David Denton. David, just a, a ball carrying back row. Yeah, um, which you know, out with Strauss. I know Richie's kind of upping his game quite a bit, but you kind of you want you just want some, yeah. someone else in addition to Hamish Watson, essentially. In heavy traffic, he just needs probably a little bit more heft than Jamie Richie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What about Blade Thompson? Hasn't been seen since he picked up his head knock the night before. Um, Scotland's trip down to Wales in the autumn tests. Do you think we'll ever see him in a Scotland jersey? Yeah, um, I hope so. Um, I think I'd like to see him given a shot. I, I'm not convinced he's like the sort of number eight that a lot of people want in terms of a you know hard carrying player. I think he's a bit more of a six slash seven who you want in more the like wide. a brad shields yeah exactly who you want in the wide channels um so i don't think he's sort of the the hopes to a lot of people's questions but you know good to have in the in the conversation definitely definitely should we have a look at the the sort of positions of interest i just want to say the name i'd actually forgotten and actually we should probably find it Colonel dupree mm. I'm not really sure exactly what his status is, obviously, post-throat oh, yeah. injury. Yeah. Whether he's know. still in hostel, whether he's out, we'll, yeah. find, we'll, we'll find out for yeah, next week. Any, <laughs> Worcester, any Worcester fans listening yeah. who've got an update for us, please yeah. do get in touch. Um, and obviously, oh, we haven't mentioned, friend of the pod, Hard Horse. John yeah. Hardy, back in the Scotland fold, welcomed with open arms. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only difference between now and autumn is those like three games for Newcastle, three or four games for Newcastle. And obviously there is a couple of injuries, but you know it's not that different from the autumn. So he's obviously proved enough in those couple of yeah. games to show that yeah. he's a fit enough, and b playing at a level that's good yeah. enough to maybe, be considered. Maybe Townsend just felt he couldn't select him until he had a few games under his belt. Until he had kind of regardless. Until he had a club. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> true. That's true. Yeah. So, so very good to see him back, and you know you wouldn't feel bad if you saw him starting for Scotland. Like you know he can do that yeah. job. Yeah, definitely. And actually, quite a lot of. The chat, I think, especially on, like online, is a lot of people are quite keen to see him, at least in that 23 for the Italy game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a lot of love for Hardy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. He is, a, he is great. <laughs> yeah. Remember 2015 World Cup? Yeah, he's like very nothing good. we'd ever seen before. Yeah, I know. He's never let Scotland down, so... Yeah, good, good on him. Good on the hard horse. So, um, skip through positions of interest. We've had an, uh, a direct message. Finley McLeod slipping into those DMs <laughs> on Twitter. Um, he's got a question for the pod after today's squad announcement. Scotland's biggest problem positions still seem to be 8 and 12 with no standout candidates who are fit. 
Blade Thompson could be the answer at eight. Matt, you've already covered that off a little bit. But he's still injured, and Wilson, Fakes, and Strath haven't made the jersey their own. Is it worth putting Ash in and giving him a shot? I mean, number eight's position we've talked about, I think, on pretty much every single episode yeah. of, of The Thistle, talking about you know, not having a big ball carrier. Uh, and I think if Ash had carried his form over from the from November, yeah. then we probably would be saying yes. Yeah. But, but he sort of seems to be playing six slash eight. Yeah, form's kind of dipped a little bit. Yeah. His, his dip's kind of... His, Form has just dipped with sort of Glasgow's dip in form. Well, so I, I think, think that's fair. His last great game he played was Leon away, where he was really, particularly on that boggy pitch, he was really making hard yards, picked up a try as well, and he looked mm. like a ball-carrying threat. But that really, if you look back, was kind of Glasgow's last good game. Yeah. They eked and out the wind, in, in the wind in those horrible conditions at Scotsland, But I've been thinking a lot about your Hamish Watson at eight. Oh, have you? And I've slowly been coming around to it. Talk us through it. I'm not anti a back row of Skinner, Ritchie, and Watson to start against Italy. Quite like that. There's a lot of quality there. Yeah, I don't know. Ritchie at seven. I think that's right. I mean, you could have Hardy or Ritchie. But I feel like Ritchie could play six or seven. Yeah, completely. And there's part of me that just likes that a bit more than having maybe Wilson, Ash, or Strauss at eight. Yeah. If I had to choose another, I think it would be. I think Strauss obviously was, was good against Fiji when he played and had a very good game against Saracens when Sale beat Saracens, actually. Yeah. It's just whether those games are a bit few and far between. <laughs> yeah. It's just the consistency that would be the concern. It's, I think there was, I mean, I was definitely hoping that, and I, Matt Ferguson, to be fair to him, is still only 20 and is starting yeah. for Glasgow. At yeah, he eight. is like their first. Didn't you tell him to grow up the other week? I did tell him to grow up. I think I was kind of just hoping that he was going to be maybe like a level or two above so that he was the main man going yeah. into this sort of Six yeah. Nations. He's not quite there. And I think even with the World Cup, it's just, he's just, maybe I, it's just coming a year too early for him. Um, so didn't you also call him as a, the lion, a Lions pick for 2021? I did, about two years ago. It yeah, does okay. feel that that could still happen. Uh, needs a good season and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Second part of anyway. Finley's. So that's number eight. Second part of Finley's question is, at 12, Pete Horn was the standout last year, but it feels hard to fully back him with Duncan Taylor and Matt Scott still missing and Alec Dunbar's career taking a nosedive. Finley's words, not ours. Um, is it worth giving Sam Johnson a go? I'd like to see it. I mean... I like Sam Johnson, but he's had that he's had that one good game. He's had one properly good game, I think, against Treviso. Since he came back, yeah. And I don't think he's done enough to really sort of out of what Johnson, Dean, Pete Horn. You know, Dean's the standout. So, <laughs> <laughs> class. Although there is an argument to be made about Dean no. being the standout of that group, I think. Specific, mm, I think no, I, I, I think before he got injured, Sam Johnson was the, the standout I player. You forget he was named in the November squad off the back of some very good early season yeah, performances exactly. for Glasgow. Then yeah. picked up a knock. So I think a lot of people are forgetting that. Like you, Alan. I would be super. I I cannot envisage a world where Tooney doesn't start Horn at twelve. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I suppose like Johnson has that versatility as well. He can play twelve. He can play thirteen, kind of like Dean as well. Yeah, you know. Um, I remember about a year ago we threw our rogue suggestion up about Kinghorn playing twelve. Yeah, I, I still quite like that, and it'll literally never happen. But 
Because he was a 10 at school. Yeah, 10 at school and a bit of age group stuff as well. So you kind of got chucked into fullback. But Him and Hugh Jones in the centres. I'd like that. Pretty tasty. A lot. He is really good at fullback. I mean, look at the back. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Matt. Thanks, thanks really but no thanks. <laughs> I mean, but if you look at the that Scotland back three, it used to be sort of nailed on Hogg, Maitland, Seymour. Yeah. Is Seymour's position under a little bit of threat due to the form of A, Darcy Graham, and B, Blair Kinghorn? Yeah, definitely. I think Seymour pretty much since the Lions has struggled for form. Um, and you've seen, obviously, Kinghorn you know, is, is the heir apparent at fullback, but has done well when he's played on the wing. Yeah. And it's just done such good form at the moment. And yeah, Darcy Graham, I wasn't 100% sure about him, but this season he's been unbelievable. Topped off by... Uh, his performance against Toulon at the weekend, where it's incredible, he just so involved. Whenever he got the ball, he did something well. His defense was really solid. Um, little kicks he did through and everything under the high ball, really good. So, what was the stat that was up? Was up uh, yeah, only Cheson Colby in the Champions Cup has made more clean breaks than Darcy Graham. There you go. Ben, ben Tullis, yeah, Ben Tullis has got the most lineout steals. I like that. I feel like, and I honestly do feel like Tommy Seymour couldn't even buy a, a line break at the moment. He no. Are we forgetting that he scored a hat-trick against um, oh, it's Fiji? Only, it's only Fiji. Mm. They were mainly just finishes, though, weren't they? Like, as in yeah. pretty close he to the line. He scored quite a lot of tries for Scotland. Has he got enough money in the bank? And I, know, I, th- I think he does. And I know that Darcy Graham is good under the high ball. But it does remain that he's like five foot eight. Yeah. And at an international level, you think about some of the wingers you could come up against. Like you, just start doing stuff. You I, I wouldn't I wouldn't that. I wouldn't be that surprised and I wouldn't exactly be gutted by Seymour starting on the wing. No, not like, at all. What about Kinghorn coming through on the wing then? Well, I think Maitland's pretty nailed on, to be fair, at the moment. I think it'd be pretty harsh to drop Maitland and not Seymour. So well, if Kinghorn comes in then I think Kinghorn coming in for Seymour instead of... Oh, that's what I mean. Yeah, sorry. Um, Once again, I I wouldn't be that... I wouldn't mind it. Yeah, I think Seymour, Kinghorn, Graham, all actually really different players. Yeah, they are. Um, But yeah, I think think you're comment right. I think Seymour, you know, historically for Scotland, obviously being with Tooney at Glasgow, a couple of tries over the autumn, he's definitely just got enough to keep him going. And then do you think you have... Kinghorn on the bench covers the cover twelve as well. So he does yeah, cover cover ten. <laughs> I do. Oh, that's what he wants. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think so. Is your back three player? Yeah, especially considering um, Lee Jones can only play really play wing, and Byron McGuigan is injured as well. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. I've only got one more position as a position of interest noted down. Second row, Johnny Gray. Is he in trouble? I don't know. I feel, I think potentially a lot depends on how, if Johnny Gray steps up against Saracens. I I think if he has a good, like a baseline good game Seven against out Saracens, of tens. Yeah. he'll start for Scotland. I even think if he didn't play that well and Glasgow get a bit of a hosing, I think he's got once again enough money in the bank to, yeah. to start. Okay, so let's give him the number four jersey. Who's packing down next to him? Grant Gilchrist's form's surely been the best of the rest. But I think Tooney's favoured Tulis ahead of Gilchrist in the autumn. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would pick Gilchrist. Um, but then once again, I'd be pretty happy if Tulis was there. Like, I think he's been playing really well recently. He's never let you down playing for Scotland. Yeah. But I think, I think Gilchrist has a bit more quality, a bit more to him. 
I agree. I, Gray and Gilchrist would be my starting second row. Yeah. Potentially with Skinner on the bench or starting at six. Yeah. It's nice having Skinner on the bench just because he can cover. He's in a nice vein of form as well. Getting lots of lots of game time for Exeter. Mm. Basically started every game for Exeter since the Autumn Internationals and they've been on pretty hot yeah. streak since then. Yeah, exactly. Started the Saracens game in the row, started against Gloucester at the back row. You know, it's it's a... It's a nice place. It's a nice place to be, and I actually think he'd probably be close to the England squad if he hadn't picked. For, I, yeah, picked I think he, yeah, I think he would be in that selection discussion for sure. Yeah, in that conversation. Okay, well, we'll be back in a couple of weeks to preview that um, Italy game. That is the um, Scotland squad for now. Um, we're going to break things up a little bit. Little quiz from Alan, and then we're going to look back at the weekend that was down in Toulon getting tear gassed and watching Edinburgh and then we're going to look ahead to the big games coming up this weekend but Alan take us away right just a little quiz this week mainly on the squad and then a little bit about Scotland and Italy past results okay um, quick question to kick you off how many players in the Scotland squad announced the 39 Scotland squads not the injury list have over 50 caps and who are they how many players and who are they? Wow! And you, you, I'll give you the answer to the how many players before you get before you have to answer the, the second question. Should we just do the questions and answers now, or we'll do it all at the end? I'm just gonna guess a number and see if I can add up the number, <laughs> of, the, the number of players. And then out of the thirty-nine, I want you to tell me how many players in that squad have ten or less caps. Oh. Oh, this is really difficult. I can't even remember the squad now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's parts one and two. So the, the, the number and the names. So number and name, and then I want uh, the, num- the number for the, the number. 10 or less. Yeah. 10 okay. or less. Yeah. Next question. In the Six Nations, when was the last year that Scotland opened with a game against Italy? Oh. When was the last year? I know it was a long time ago. Because every time, every year at this time of year, I'm like, it's bullshit. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Always exactly. seems to be England getting um, Italy first. I know. I'm sure that's not the case, but that's how my, my brain works. Well, and to make it even harder, can you tell me what the score was in that opening game? No. <laughs> <laughs> but it was long enough ago for us not to have scored many tries. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> And mm, tough. I, I, this is quite tough. I'm still working out my ten people, the the people with ten caps or less. Right. Should we should we kick it off with the first one? Yeah, let's do it. Right. How many players have over fifty caps in that squad? David, what have you got? Eight. You think eight players in that thirty-nine squad have got over fifty caps? I've gone for eight. Yeah. All right. Matt? I've only I've only got six. You've only got six. Yeah. It is. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Two. Two. <laughs> There's only two players. Hog. Hog and Laidlaw. Laidlaw. Really? I, I was giving the benefit of the doubt to... Johnny Gray's on 47. Yeah, uh, Gray. Uh, Johnny Gray. Seymour? Really? I uh, had Seymour. Seymour on 46. Finn Russell, 40. I had Russell. Maitland, 37. I had Maitland. Unless Scottish rugby is lying to me. I had a rogue shot at Pete wow. Horn, but I think I'm really misremembering yeah. how many cats Pete Horn's had. <laughs> 38. So more yeah. than Sean Maitland, to be fair. All right, so I was closer, so I'll take that. Is that how this works? Yeah, easily. Oh, I actually gave you the answers before you could answer them. <laughs> yeah, but I got closest to the number. Yeah, we'll give you that. That's fine. Uh, and can you name me how many players have 10 or less caps? I'm going for 16. 16 Davos. Higher or lower? I'm still writing them down. I'm up to six or seven, eight. What do you want to do? Higher or lower? Yeah, the wind. just do higher or lower. Higher. 18. There you go. Jeez. That, that is so scary. Overestimate. Lee Jones only got 10. Uh, I didn't oh, include nice. him. Jamie Ritchie on six. I, yeah, had Ritchie. I had Ritchie. Adam Ash only got six. Yeah, I had yeah. Ash. Um, so yeah, 18 in that squad with 10 or less caps. That is That must be the highest in the Six Nations. Yeah, nearly half the squad. Jeez. Dear That's man. worrying. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, it helps. You've got three hookers with there's so many zeros in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting when you, look, when you look at the ca- number of caps, like McAnally with 22 and Hamish Watson with 23, it feels well, like... that's the that's the thing. It's maybe a bit distorted. Yeah. yeah. McAnally's been around for donkeys. He got his first cap for Scotland playing in the back row. Mm. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it just feels like they've been there for a much longer... Even someone like Nell, only on 26... Spent a lot of time injured, has now. That's Remember the in November and the Six Nations when he's been out for yeah. years. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, right. Good, good news then. Good, <laughs> all good news. When. Um, what was that? It was like the Stuart Lancaster philosophy, like you need teams with like loads of 50 cap plus players. Yeah. It's like the New Zealand philosophy as well. No, and I think the only one of those things going to probably make it be Seymour and Johnny Gray. So it might go with. Four. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Uh, uh, those rules are made to be breaking. That, that is true. Scotland, Italy. When was the last time that we kicked off the Six Nations with Scotland versus Italy? I put my finger in the air and I've come down with 2008. 2008? I've gone 2004. 2004. It was actually 2000. 2000. First ever Six You're Nations. Joking. I had a feeling it was that, but I just. Yeah. When we lost against them. We haven't started since 2000. Don't ruin the next question. Well, I had a loss regardless. <laughs> I knew yeah. it was going to be a loss. <laughs> well, well I'm sure we beat them 23 15 in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> I think they lost 20 points to 18. So, opening game of the Six Nations. Coming off the back of a Five Nations win. Yeah, exactly. Italy's first ever God, Six Nations such game. Pathetic rugby country. <laughs> we, we lost 34 20. What? We are the worst. Dem- Sorry, yeah. Dominguez, Dominguez. With, with six pens and three drop goals. That's nuts. Diego I know. Dominguez was quite I suppose it, Ke- it just says Kenny Logan did not 
do a similar feat. <laughs> Italy came into it like 250 to 1 to win the Six Nations. Scotland like, here you go. <laughs> good. Oh, well, that's a very Scottish yeah. thing. There you go. So that was good. Wins Matt. Obviously. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Just well, I, said, I, I think I held my own a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well no. done. Thanks very much. It's nice to have the full <laughs> squad list in front of me so I could, well, work, I could work through cheating. them name by name. Um, thank you very much, Alan. As ever, a so. quality quiz. We will wait to hear what was wrong when the fans get in touch <laughs> tomorrow. Uh, right, shall we look back to Europe? Our trip down Let's to do Toulon. Lads, have you recovered? I was chatting about earlier. I It was so Tuesday morning before I'd like emotionally... Yeah. Recovered. Yeah. I think Sunday was one of the worst days ever. <laughs> really bad hangover. And getting to getting back from Toulon was horrific. Really difficult. Yeah. It's, I it's think like nine theory, hours of travel. In theory, like, oh, yeah, it's just a quick, yeah, you just fly to Marseille, you get a train. Fine. But in reality, it's like flight. Five train trains. Train to the taxis. train. Train, taxi. It was something else. Highest point of the trip, the McDo's in Marseille train station. <laughs> That was probably my lowest, actually. <laughs> I think that was bad. It didn't help me out at all. I think five minutes after was immediately my lowest point of the trip. Well, the, the highest point was probably James Johnson going in under the sticks. <sighs> Although the kick through, the try before that, the kick through for Kinghorn, yeah, from that was Johnson. at the end that, that was right in front of where Alan and I were sat. And that yeah. Yeah. Was, that's where it felt that the momentum was turning a bit. Alan was lighting up like three cigarettes at a time in the stand, <laughs> <laughs> handing them out to the, the ultras. All, ultras are lighting their flares <laughs> off of cigarettes. It's something else down there, though, isn't it? When in France, do what the French do. All right? We made we made friends with the Gilets Jaunes. That is true. Protesters, yeah. tear gas. That was bad. Nah, that wasn't great. Walking into the stadium, never really. I didn't really know what tear gas would feel like. I just kind of thought it was a bit smoky. Yeah, <laughs> acrid and sore. No, really, really bad. And it was, and one sort of final thought: our campaign to obviously get card machines at Murrayfield being successful. The payment for beer system at Toulon <laughs> is like you have to exchange cash for tokens. Yeah, but one token doesn't equal one beer. There is <laughs> like a separate currency system of yeah. tokens. <laughs> there, no, there was a full barter system by the end. I was like, look, I have, I've got the cash. What's this going to get me? And by the end, I think a lot of them were like. Yeah, fine. I'll do. I'll deal with you. That that currency it was it the was most French system that yeah, has ever been devised. Bizarre. Yeah, but it was great. The Toulon fans were really, really friendly. They were very, very nice actually, and they loved Phil Fitzgerald yeah. from last week's quiz. Yeah, the ultras. Like after the match, chatting to some guys in the bar about Phil Fitzgerald, who I did not know last week, and I still didn't really know. <laughs> and they were like, "He still lives around here. He loves it. We love him." Yeah. <laughs> didn't know who Rory Lamont was, though, did they? No, and then we went for like the classic like British trying to make friends with Toulon locals when we're like, but Johnny, and they're like, oh, Johnny Wilkinson. (laughs) Shall we talk rugby? Yes, yeah. I mean, how bad was the start? The dropped, dropped kickoff, and then under the post within five minutes, it was pretty horrific. Yeah, I mean, and it it was like a pretty easy try. Yeah, definitely. It, <laughs> yeah. it was just it, it sort of spelt doom because it was just like Bastero taking a short short line and making like ten yards. You're like ah, okay, yeah. I see what might happen all day. Well, I prefer you knew it as well. I think Edinburgh gave me three penalties, and Toulon were cle- clearly keen just to put it in the corner because you know they were playing for nothing but pride and they they want to score some points. You're thinking, oh. but then just when Edinburgh got their hands on the ball and started putting you know a few phases together, you could tell <laughs> Toulon were pretty hopeless 
Yeah. Like the amount of I've watched the full game again today, and the amount of tackles they missed like was actually pathetic. Like, yeah. Uh, Hamish Watson, they didn't actually miss that many on Mata, but he was making 10, 15 yards every single yeah. time. Kinghorn was beating men easily. Even Darcy Graham was making yards every single time. So, yeah, got a lot of good fr- front football and went from there. They were absolute quality. Shall we talk about Darcy Graham's finish for the first try? Yeah, that, that was the corner we were at. And you sort of thought, oh, he's going to have to step back in. And just plowing through that guy, the fullback called Smiley, who's, it was his debut. And oh, after that, he proceeded to have an absolute disaster. And the French, the, the Toulon coach, Colazzo, was like, whenever he did anything, rather than just sort of keeping his cool and be like, he's only 19, you know, like, give him some confidence. <laughs> Literally be like, well, he his bald, doesn't have any hair, but like tearing his hair out, like <laughs> just like biting his fingernails to, to their nibs. Like, it, yeah, he had a mare. But Darcy Graham, apart from that, was just incredible. A genuine joy to watch. He sort of, I, I can't really think of a, a Scottish winger like him, especially not in our sort of like generation. Definitely not in our look. generation. Um, an absolute unit. It's just like a little ball of like muscle and power. But he still doesn't look big, and his no. short his shorts are way too big as well. He's got like size forty <laughs> shorts on. Honestly, they're like <laughs> flapping around. He looks like an idiot. Get the right pair. Um, no, he he was really good. It was just like overall performance from from every everyone had a good game. I, I even thought like. It's just guys like WP Nell, who it doesn't look like they're doing that much, but the scrum was good apart from the start. And his work rate, like getting up off the floor, is like unbelievable. Some of yeah. you maybe don't associate that that with. I just think Edinburgh just got that pack is now of such a quality that they shouldn't really fear any sort of eight in Europe. And I think Toulon are pretty hopeless and they were pretty knackered, certainly in the last twenty minutes. But that is sort of testament to that Edinburgh pack, their conditioning and their ability to really just like batter them mm. and, there's, and there's quality throughout it I thought Jamie Ritchie had a fantastic game I thought Grant Gilchrist could have been man of the match um, yep. for his work rate I thought that yeah. drop of the first kick off aside I thought he was fantastic start to finish but I guess talking about the Toulon forwards kind of running out of steam kind of probably around half time to be fair um, we sort of chatted about this earlier it's like there was they tactically played very very different to how they played against Glasgow yeah against Glasgow they were very happy to soak up just like phase after phase without any real scope for Glasgow scoring yeah. a try. And it kind of showed in the stats they were, you know, at least had like 30% territory. Mourinho into Milan. Exactly. Soaking it up and hitting them on the break. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, whereas in this game, they obviously kept a lot of territory in possession. Did I think it was something that like two and a half to three times more passes mm. than they did in the games against Edinburgh, but less kicks. Yeah. yeah. So clearly we're keeping the ball in hand and weren't it wasn't just like Pergos one out passes. It was actually going no. out wide quite a lot, which is I think yeah, most of the play was off Jakob van der Vault actually. Yeah. So I suppose it's sort of I think it wasn't just going side to side, but I think there was definitely a an attempt to sort of put a bit of width on it. Um and tire out that that big French pack, which I think they did. Um, I think it's one of the first times this season that I felt an attack in particular. You could see a bit of the kind of Cockrell, Hodge, whatever, um, attacking imprint because it looked like there was a proper structure. All the fours knew exactly what they're doing, knew when the ball was going out the back. And I think there's quite a lot of trust in Dean and Johnson, who I think are told, carry, have a go. Like, they often weren't even flinging it out. They just having a crack at the likes of Bastero and Tranduk and 
yeah. getting quite a lot of change out of that. Well, interesting your point about Pergos and Van der Vol against Glasgow was that Pergos passed the ball more than six times more than Van der Vol. Really? Van, whereas in this game it was only double. Yeah. So clearly they were keeping it out of that night. Well, not keeping it out of the nine ten channel, but yes, the, the plan was to get it outside Van der Vol. It's quite, yeah. quite interesting. So Edinburgh clearly have two defined game plans that they can play, whereas Glasgow have the Glasgow way, and that's it. I like that point. Yeah. And I, I think I think that's absolutely right. I think the, you know we bang out about it on this all the time. I think Scotland and Glasgow struggle mm. with that Plan B, and I think the Saturday showed that of all the, of all the rug, professional rugby teams <laughs> in Scotland, <laughs> if we include Scotland in it, Edinburgh are the only one that apparently seem to be able to change it up yeah. depending on who they're playing. Yeah, I mean, I suppose we have to talk about it. There's already been like a sort of collective media orgasm over it but bill matters offload for the johnson try was really good <laughs> i mean this the skill to do that sort of like he's almost passing it off his pinky and his his other finger like it's it's just so skillful it's instinctive as well yeah of course it is he must have just sort of seen a bit of a flash of james johnson coming up close by and thought well what's what's quite impressive and i think J- jimmy johnson probably is now getting the credit he deserves the take is the ball is not in front of him it's not a classic you know in the bread basket pass he takes it with one hand yeah. behind him at full tilt that is not easy actually I think the, the sorry the thing that i actually thought was most skillful was in the first half when um reese webb was putting out quite a lot of box kicks yeah but Mata was the one always back there so i'm not quite sure what the strategy was and Mata sort of goes to take a kick and he missed he misjudges where he's going so he's basically he can't jump and he can't turn his body so that if he does drop the ball it goes backwards and he sort of stops ha- puts out his hands and catches it like basically on his fingertips and then goes this like nuts run it, I, I was like more impressed by that yeah it's just that's just so skillful he's, like, a, he's a complete joke yeah i think the other thing to note about jimmy johnson is if you look on our twitter i'm sure plenty of you have seen it already at thistle rugby pod you can see where he starts his support run. He's already like 15 meters behind Mata, and yeah. Yeah. Mata's sort of in the the five meter channel on the right. Jimmy's essentially on the 15 on the other side of the park, and he just goes for it. Yeah. Really ambitious. Like let's mm. let's see where this goes, and it paid off. It was incredible. The interesting about Mata is it feels like actually the last sort of two or three weeks, even though Edinburgh have been going through a great spell, have almost been like his quietest games. Like against Edinburgh, yeah. Sorry, Glasgow. Yeah, he was probably, I know he wasn't poor, but he was probably he wasn't close to being the standout player. He went from like twenty-five carries to like to, fifty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the thing I like about come on, Bill Matt, and actually, um, Jim Hamilton's making some good points about it in the commentary that he's not actually really known for his offloads. Like he's more just a direct runner, which kind of suits the Edinburgh game plan. I think that. He's not always looking for sort of outrageous offloads. He's just very good at running hard and using his footwork to beat yeah. men in those gaps and then getting in behind so you can play off that. Yeah. But the other thing I'd say from watching it again is that, because it was a pretty hazy time watching it live, yeah. as I think we'll all attest to, Edinburgh actually didn't play that well. Like, obviously, it's an incredible performance and incredible result, but they made quite a lot of mistakes. Um, they had quite a few good scoring positions that they didn't take advantage of. Um, a few scoring chances they couldn't quite execute on. So I think when, when Edinburgh like properly click and take it up another gear, then 
you know, someone's going to be in for an absolute pasting. Absolutely. Let's stick with Edinburgh. Let's talk about Montpellier and then we'll finish up with Glasgow. So Edinburgh versus Montpellier. If they win it, they top the group, get a quarter, home quarterfinal in the Champions Cup, which would be um, quite amazing. Friday night lights. Hopefully Murrayfield's absolutely packed out for it, or at least, well, not packed out, obviously. But I think they're trying to look for plus 10. Hmm? Plus 10k. But, well, that would be decent. There's still only no. one-sixth full. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that is the problem, but that's you know something we've talked about an awful lot. Lads, what what chance do you give Montpellier? They gave, um, uh, sorry, give Edinburgh. Montpellier gave Newcastle an absolute pasting at the weekend. Seems to be coming back into a little bit of form. Yeah, I think so. They're they're still they're struggling in the top fourteen. So I think obviously they're putting a lot of emphasis on the Champions Cup. Um, I think they're like a better version of Toulon. That's exactly what I was going to say. Got like a, <laughs> you know a good, <laughs> good big pack, two good halfbacks, some decent big runners in in the backs like Ngusa and and Francois Stein. Um, I just think they're they're better coached under Cotter and and Nathan Hines, and I think they've got just a bit more cohesion but at the same time i don't think they're that good i think if edinburgh can play as well and move them around like they did too long then i don't think edinburgh should have any fear about playing them no absolutely i mean as you said ninth in the top 14 and i think they've only won two games away from home so you know if this was a montpellier it's a much different conversation um and i think it is going to be a bigger challenge than when toulon came to edinburgh yeah that's for sure but i'm I feel Edinburgh should be going in this game thinking that they're gonna they're gonna win it. I think yeah. Edinburgh won't have much fear, perfectly off their own form, but also remembering back to that first leg down in Montpellier, they should yep. won it. Yeah, yeah. One little sort of crossing, um, and they 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 win that game. I, they I think in it that for the whole time. Yeah, I think um, Cockrell talking about the match was saying that Edinburgh probably you know could have won that match, but we're a bit sort of starstruck by that Montpellier team. Um, yeah. I think, you know, should note that Montpellier probably bring back Nadolu, who wasn't playing last week, and uh, Willemse in the second row, who are just, like, absolute units who on massive. their day. Like, Nadolu can win anyone a match. Um, so that, that's probably the worry. Probably against Darcy Graham as well. Yeah, I know. Like, Darcy Graham was, like, tackling Bastaro. Like, <laughs> Van der Merwe made Sevilla look like a child. Like, Darcy's seen some things down in Hoik, all right? No, but the thing about him is I think he's just like, I'm still playing at Mansfield Park. I'm still playing for like Hoyk YM for their 14-year-olds. Like, I, I don't think he's like, he's not phased by where he's playing or anything. He just does his thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's going to be an amazing one to watch on Friday night. Shall we turn our attention to Glasgow and then we'll come back, round things off with some predictions. Sounds um, good. Glasgow, 33-24 victors against Cardiff Blues, wrapping up that 5 point win putting themselves on to 19 points in second place in their champions cup pool um lads what did you make of it didn't wasn't a perfect performance but they got the job done i think you know coming off the back of those three straight losses that's all they needed to do and getting a bonus point win as well um in like you know i thought cardiff blues actually played pretty well they they're obviously they didn't have anything to play for but had a few young guys who really went for it and I thought played quite well um, so yeah you can't really ask for, for much more performance wasn't perfect but it felt like they were sort of getting there a bit yeah I mean I think especially with Gibbons and Figs and going off pretty early yeah. kind of takes a big hit to 
that pack when especially you got like Harley and Cummings in the row, so you're missing like a bit of leadership. You've got like Brandon yeah, Thompson playing true. ten, it's yeah. you know, it's an adjustment, isn't it? Um, Brandon Thompson two from two. That's this true. Season. What do you mean two from two? He's played two games and won them both. He, well, started two games. Started, started two, started started games. two yeah. games. Yeah, you know, that's fair. Scarlets and blues. Um like, it was it wasn't a great performance and it doesn't inspire me doesn't inspire me in terms of them thinking they can go and beat Saracens it, it but wasn't, yeah. good to get a bonus point win yeah I mean it's, yeah. it's what they needed but it wasn't quite that performance that I think we were all hoping for it was the end of the Glasgow slump they were going to you know absolutely blow Cardiff out of the water yeah but maybe as I said that's all you need to do you just need to be like right get back in the winning habit get back on the horse and yeah and go from there and I you know I, I'm not holding out great hope for the Saracens match but I'm pretty confident that Glasgow will be able to take their performance to another level I think that without Gibbons and Ferguson, Saras... Are they definitely out? I don't know if... It It sounds like Ferguson will be out. Sounds like Ferguson will be out. I haven't seen any information on Gibbons' injury. I I thought he was an HIA. Oh, really? Yeah, it's an HIA. HIA. So... I mean, I think when you take those two out of the pack and you're already missing a Fraser Brown, that's three of those sort of big combative leaders that kept Glasgow in that physical contest up at Scotston. Absolutely. And I think without that, you're not going to get that front football that Adam Hastings really needs to get that back line going. So I think I think Glasgow could really struggle. Sounds like a long day at the office then. Yeah, I mean, going to Allianz Park is difficult for the best teams in Europe, and I don't think Glasgow are quite at that level, and I think their squad is a little bit depleted. Yeah. So I, I think it could be a little bit tricky for them. It'd be interesting to see how they approach the approach to the game. I wonder how much because, as we said, if Edinburgh win, Glasgow are through. Yeah. No, but if they lose, they're probably through as the eighth seed. But um, it'd be interesting to see how that sort of plays into their game plan. You know, do if you if Edinburgh loses, you know, you have to win to get through. For example, yeah. Does that change how you approach the game? I mean, probably they're probably going to have to throw the whole kitchen sink at it in any case, aren't they? Be good if Edinburgh win, and then all the Scotland players in the Glasgow team like take a knee. <laughs> they come off really early. Gregor Townsend's put in the word. He's like, "Get them off, Dave. <laughs> we cannot possibly, uh, possibly deal with that." But how do you think Saracen's going to approach it? Because I mean, they're they're top of the group. They're pretty much already through and guaranteed uh, a home semi final. Uh, I mean, the thing is, obviously, they've got a lot of players going into that England squad. But also for the players that aren't going into the squad, they don't actually have another game for about three or four weeks. Yeah, it's the Premiership Cup, isn't it? So, I I don't think Saracens are going to really give much away. I don't see them resting that many players. I've got a feeling they want to absolutely kill Glasgow. Yeah. I don't think they like them. I think the stuff look. about with Ryan Wilson um, after the Calcutta Cup yeah. and I think Jamie George saying in, in the home fixture at Glasgow saying that he's just really looking forward to playing against Ryan Wilson. So I reckon there's a bit of a feeling that like Glasgow are kind of the upstarts who see themselves as progressing in the tournament and Saracens yeah. just yeah. like, and I suppose st- the, steady on boys. The game it's cost them was quite tasty as well. There was a few little yeah. scraps yeah, all over the place. There was the Maratogi yeah, exactly. celebrating the try stuff. And annoyingly, Saracens have kind of just now all got back all their players. Like Itoji yeah. and Billy are both back. Yeah. And that just... God, makes such a difference. Makes such a difference. Um, so, look, I, I think... I, I honestly feel like best-case scenario is a losing bonus point here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, think so. I, I, I can't see... 
I'd be hugely surprised if Glasgow managed to nick a win. That that's just not gonna yeah, happen. Yeah, and especially with just how their form's been for the last month. Yeah. What are the machinations for Glasgow if they get that losing bonus point in the in the following round? Can they avoid Saracens in the quarterfinals? So if Edinburgh win and we assume that Glasgow are guaranteed to go through to the knockout stages at the moment, bef- before any before anyone plays, they're actually the top second place team. Yeah. And so they're essentially hoping that Ulster either lose to Leicester, mm-hmm. which they're playing away. Yeah, you never know. Isn't inconceivable. Or to lose lose at home to Bath, which is probably a little bit less conceivable. Yeah. So Edinburgh needs to do a favour for their little brother. For the little bro. Oh, how good was that? Oh my god. Such a troll. I think most people took it in the spirit in which it was intended as a little bit of a joke. We did get a few things on Twitter being like, um, how many trophies have <laughs> Edinburgh won? <laughs> I love that. Id- idiot. So right. it's just like, well, you know, I mean, he's got yes, you. Fair he's enough, got you. But you have been triggered by Richard Cockrell. I yeah, know. exactly. Um, which I really enjoyed. My brother shook his hand in the stadium when he walked up. Really? Past him. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Richard Cockrell remembers that. Well, exactly. <laughs> he was like, that's why I needed the good luck for yeah, to win this it. match. You went over and pestered Calm Hunter Hill on the bench, didn't you? Uh, well, I used to play with him back in the day. Uh, and he was only the 24th man, so I wasn't taking him too far away no, from his, exactly. his sort of concentration or anything. I didn't know that at the time, to be fair. <laughs> uh, I had a few formidables, that's for sure. Formidables. <laughs> okay, so shall we finish off with some predictions for Europe coming up? Let's start at Murrayfield. Friday night lights. Anne, I'm coming to you first. Are Red and we're going to do it? Yes. Yes. A win? Win, no bonus point. Montpellier to get a loser bonus point. So it's quite tight, but they'll get through. Christine carried down George Street on the uh, on the shoulders of the Edinburgh fans. Yeah, by me. <laughs> just you. <laughs> just me. Against his will. Yeah. Murrayfield mile all the way to fingers. <laughs> you with Christine. Um, I'm going to back that. I completely agree. I think, it'll be, I think it'll actually be pretty tight. I think Montpellier will want to do something. But Edinburgh, you know, we're riding the crest this wave. I'm excited about it. Matt? I think it's going to be like an epic encounter. I think it's going to be a real ding-dong. and A real ding-dong. I really do. And <laughs> I think Edinburgh will will edge it. But I think it might go sort of up and down quite a bit in terms of the scoreboard. Sounds good. What a way to spend a Friday night and then into Saturday afternoon. Glasgow Saracens. I don't think we're giving them much of a chance. I think Saracens might get a bonus point win. Alan? Yeah. Yeah. Saracens bonus point win. Glasgow still go through, but probably is the eighth seed, I think. I think Saracens win by about 20, but I I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't get the bonus point. But I don't, I don't think Glasgow is going to score many points against that Saracens team, unfortunately. Well, there you have it. Those are our predictions for the weekend. Um, and we'll be back next week to digest everything that has gone on. Stay in touch with us on game days. We'll be on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod on Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. The emails are always open to hear what you're loving and hating about Scottish rugby. That is the Thistle Rugby at gmail.com. Get onto iTunes, get onto Acast, or wherever you get your pods and subscribe and leave us those reviews. Have a lovely weekend. Have a good weekend. See ya. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.